I want to take you again to the Word of God here this morning. We've been celebrating the previous weeks and we will through until next week as our 10th anniversary as a church of the Lord just establishing this work here to send forth His Word, not, not just locally and in Limerick, but to many nations. And the Lord has done an extraordinary uh, work. But I want you to, this morning to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, 1 Samuel in the Old Testament and the chapter 8, and we're going to read, sorry, and chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and this is part three of the Samuel church and three different kinds of leadership. Let me say that again. This is the third and final part, and we've been celebrating over these few weeks. We've had different speakers, guest speakers, but I started with part one on the Samuel Church and three different kinds of leadership. Ten years ago, God gave me this, but I only preached three messages on Choose Your Church. I really couldn't preach this because it wasn't for that time, but yet it was a vital part of the birthing of this church. Now, 10 years later, I believe this is a message from the Lord on the Samuel church, which we were called to be, and three kinds of leadership that Samuel had to relate to or conduct himself with. And I want to come to the third one. We've already dealt with Samuel's sons who were homemade leadership or homegrown leadership. That didn't go well. Then second of all, we saw Saul leadership. That didn't go well either. But we come to the third and final kind of leadership. That was according to the heart of God, and it did go well. That was Davidic leadership or David leadership. And that's what we're going to deal with here this morning. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 18, reading from verse 1. And I want to read all of this chapter because it's so important. I'm going to deal with a lot of things here this morning, but I want to assure you that we and the message that we preach in this church, the voice that God has given us, the open doors God has given to us is all connected to this, that we are going to interact with a leadership that God is going to prepare and raise up in this hour, in this very time. Though it's desolate and dark, God is preparing a new leadership and so reading from verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And, and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. 
I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, notice that the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he may play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and a prudent in matters and comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul said to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Let's pray together. 
Father, we love you. We bless you, Lord God. We thank you, God, that you've ordained leadership, that you're a God who chooses leaders, preachers, ministers of the gospel, prophets, and teachers of the truth of God. Father, we thank you, God, that it's you that chooses, it's you that anoints with the Holy Spirit of God, it's you that grants gifts unto men and gifted ministries into the body of Christ. And oh God, once again, we would ask of you, do not let us lay hands on any man suddenly, nor God, don't let us choose for ourselves leaders, but oh God, would you raise up again in our city, in our nation, nor God in the nations of the world, in the body of Christ, would you raise up chosen men anointed by the power of your Holy Ghost. Oh God, we're hungry and we're thirsty in this last dark hour before the coming of the Lord. Lord God, bring in a last harvest. Send us another revival. Raise up an anointed ministry. Nor God, that's going to be effectual and challenging glad. Nor God, that's going to reign in righteousness and in truth. And Lord God, we ask it that you be glorified and honored and that your church be sanctified and purified in the preaching of the word one last time in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's come to this third and final message, the Samuel church and three different kinds of leadership. Here this morning dealing with Davidic leadership or leadership according to the heart of God molded in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have already mentioned Psalm 106. It says there that Israel, God's people, what a warning, waited not for his counsel. They didn't wait for his guidance. They didn't wait for his opinion, his direction, his plans, his purposes. No, they're going to act. You know the great curse of the church in this hour? We've got all across the church men acting, appointing leaders, voting in churches. God never ordained voting in churches. You won't find it in the New Testament. We vote in, we vote out. What a dangerous thing. You know what God does? God ordains, chooses, handpicks, anoints with the Holy Spirit, gifts, and then raises up. That's how God gets his leadership. The church, we are to recognize it. We are to receive that ministry. But Israel, in Psalm 106, waited not for the counsel of God. What does the word counsel mean? It means his advice, his plan, his purpose. But they lusted exceedingly. In other words, there were strong desires strong passions, not talking about sexual lust. It's talking about their ideas, their longings, their decisions. They say, I think church leadership should be like this. I think that person is a good organizer. Well, I quite like him. You get this all across the church. You know what it leads to? A spiritual famine in the church, disaster. You better make sure that we have leaders in the pulpit who are men of the word of God, men of prayer, not men simply coming, sharing something on their heart. You need God-ordained ministry in the church again. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You need gifted ministry again. But the curse of the church 
baptize when? An, an, an unchosen ministry, unanointed, unprepared in God's hand, gets access to the pulpit, get access to leadership, making decisions that affect the church, making decisions that affect sheep, and yet they are not equipped by the hand of God. And so these messages, what I've said is, I believe we're right on the verge of a mega governmental change in the leadership within the body of Christ. I believe we're about to see a mega shift, the close of one era, the opening of the beginning of another era. You see, Samuel lived through all of this, the rise and fall of Eli and his house. He also watched the rise and fall of Saul. Now he's going to see the rise of the beginning of God's appointed leadership. You see, God is working in this dark hour. One last time before this is over, God is going to have real leadership in the body of Christ. I believe like the heart of David, not like Saul. Saul has destroyed the church of this generation. Gifted, anointed, dynamic, an organizer, mega ministry. Look what it's done to the local church. Look at the ministries on our television that call themselves Christian. Mega money ministries, eloquent, but they lack the word of God. They lack the heart of God. They lack the ministry of God. Now the church worldwide in the West in one generation, 40 year period has been destroyed. Apostasy has come in. Compromise has come in. All manners of immorality. Now you don't need character to be in leadership. There's 22 qualifications for eldership in our Bibles. Point out the churches that actually appoint elders because they fulfill 22 character qualifications that the Bible says you're going to be hard pushed. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, and this is the Lord speaking, I will raise up me to me, for me, a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. Who was that? That was Samuel. Samuel, as a little boy, God raised him up to be a priest. You may say he wasn't of the Levitical line. You're right. You may say he wasn't a priest. You're right. Not by the Levitical line. And yet God says, I'm raising up a man with my heart who's going to wear the ephod. No man that wasn't a Levite could wear the ephod, but Samuel did. Young Samuel wore that ephod of the priesthood. God raised up Samuel as a judge, as a prophet, as a preacher, as a man of prayer. But more than that, as a priest unto the living God. He was a man after God's own heart. It also says in chapter 13 and 14, but now the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Who was this man? It was King David. It was the young shepherd boy. So God raised up Samuel with his heart as a priest, as a prophet. He raised up David as a king who also wore the ephod in later years. The only two men to wear the ephod outside of the priesthood in our Bibles. One was a prophet, one a king, but they both had the heart of God. They could function in the fullness of ministry because their heart was the heart of God. 
here this morning, I've got a message for you. How old Samuel, at the end of his life, as a very old man, almost into his 80s, as a man coming to the end, Brother Jer disagrees, he's a young man in his 80s, young Samuel in his 80s, here he comes to the end of his ministry, and what you have is his interaction with a new young leadership that's going to step into position in God's timing, in God's plan, in God's purpose. And I want to show you how the Samuel church is going to interact with new leadership. See, I believe God's going to raise up new leadership. I believe God's preparing right now. I believe he's choosing. I believe he's anointing. And it's not like the sole leadership that we've had for a generation. I've got a few points here quickly I'm going to go through. Number one, here in one, in one Samuel chapter 16, these several points are all here. I want you to follow this very carefully with me. Number one, a new focus. It says in verse one, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Here is a leader chosen by God. Samuel laid hands on him. Samuel anointed his head with oil. He is the anointed of God, raised up to deliver the nation. He's in position. He has authority. He has God's blessing. But listen, a day comes where God rejects him because of his character. Do you know why God rejects certain kinds of leadership? Because their character, their attitude, their lifestyle, their words, their decisions. God actually rejects them. And in a state of rejection, they still have their position. They're still anointed. They still have authority. They still sit on the throne. They still have widespread national influence but God has rejected them because of what's in their heart. See, God cares about the heart. You see, during this era, Samuel had to walk through the entire ministry of Saul. He's seen him at the beginning. When he's going looking for donkeys, he knew him. And he watches him all the way through to near the end of his ministry as a leader. But do you know what was so heartbreaking? Under the leadership of Saul, there was compromise, disobedience, apostasy, falling away from the truth. There was confusion. All of that was in the ministry of Saul. And Samuel had to watch it step by step. This was a dark time. And you know what? Samuel had to interact with this Saul leadership. Samuel was actually about 55 years old when Saul comes to a position of leadership. 55 years old, and for the next 35 years, Samuel the prophet has to watch, function in, prophesy into, ministry with Saul leadership for a period of 35 years. The first 35 years of Saul's 40-year reign, Samuel was actually there. But during the last 10 years, of Samuel's ministry as a prophet, his leadership was rejected by the people. Do you know, you can be a Samuel, you could be a prophet from God, you could be a preacher ordained of God, and the church rejects you 
That can actually happen. It happened with Samuel. He was God's ordained leadership, but the people rejected him. God was reigning and ruling through Samuel, but the people actually reject him. But during that last 10 years, he watches the ministry of Saul plummet into demon possession. Can you imagine a leader in the house of God, anointed of God, who sees victory, and you have to watch him then end up as a man tormented by demons, tormented by evil spirits from the Lord. That's how bad it gets. Samuel watched all of this, but he also watched one last thing before he died. God choosing, God anointing, God preparing, God raising up a new leadership. He wouldn't see the end of the story, but he knew this young boy, this shepherd boy has God's heart. God's heart is actually within him. And he was caught up in God's plan to make sure that leadership was going to be in the right place at the right time. And so I, I called this first point a new focus. The Lord speaks to Samuel and says, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? How long are you going to mourn? He actually says that Samuel the prophet here is mourning. What does that mean? He is grieving. His spirit is downcast. He is discouraged. And God says, how long are you going to mourn? You know what he's saying? It's time to stop mourning for Saul. That old leadership, Saul leadership in God's people that's become so a misrepresentation of God's heart. It's time you stop being discouraged. Stop mourning, crying, bewailing, broken over it. It's time for all of that to stop. Why was Samuel mourning? Because God had rejected Saul, utterly rejected him, utterly left him. No, he left God, didn't he? He rejected God, therefore God rejected him. I assure you, we have a leadership that has arisen in many churches. They have lost the voice of God, the heart of God, the presence of God, the power of God. And when leaders lose that, the church loses that. If the church loses the word of God and the thus saith the Lord, God help us. God help us if God removes himself where we don't hear from heaven anymore. But here was an hour where God speaks to Samuel and says, how long are you going to mourn? Do you know it's not wrong to mourn? It's not wrong to be broken, discouraged, devastated by bad leadership. It's not wrong. God did not say here, why are you mourning? He didn't say that. He said, how long are you going to mourn? Here's a point where you've been mourning for a few years now. And God says, how long? It wasn't the mourning that was long, but it was the length of it. It's good that we have feelings of grief, that we're sad, that we're broken when things don't work in the church. We ought to be. But you know what? That has to have its limit. When are you going to stop your mourning and go do something for God? Anyone can sit here and say, this happened to me in the church, and this happened to me, and look at the state of the church. Well, for God's sake, get up and do something. I've seen a lot of people, good people in the church, and they say, that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. Well, what are you going to do about it then? Are you going to rise up and be God's vessel in the church? Anyone can criticize the church, 
But who's going to make a difference? Who's going to rise up and begin to do something? And so God speaks to Samuel and say, enough of this. How long are you going to mourn for Saul? His ministry's over. His leadership is over. We read a bit earlier than this. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And it says, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, it repenteth me that I've set Saul to be king because he's turned back from following me. You know what Samuel done? It says, and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night, all night. This is a true man of God. God rejects leadership because they've lost their way. And that man of God stays up all night. You could criticize, but do you stay up all night long crying out to God? God have mercy. Oh God, move in your church again. Anyone can criticize, but not everyone prays for the remedy of the answer. Why did God use Samuel? Because he's crying out to God. Oh God, I'm grieved. I am broken. That's why God used Samuel. Again, it says in chapter 15, and Samuel came no more to Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. He goes no longer. There's a prophet of God who anointed him, who God used to choose him as the king of Israel. But there's such a break between King Saul's leadership and Samuel the prophet, such a break between them because of character. It wasn't styles of ministry. It was character. It was holiness. It was a walk with God. But Samuel says, I can't even go to him anymore. I've got nothing further to say to him. Imagine having Samuel, knowing Samuel. And he says, I'll never come and visit your church again. You know why? Because God has rejected you. You've turned your back on God. You're not even interested in obeying God. Therefore, I've got nothing to say to you. Could you imagine me texting in, emailing in, say, tell the church this morning, I'm not coming in. I'm not going to preach ever again. I'm not going to come and see them on a Sunday or Wednesday. I'm not, I've got no word from the Lord. God has rejected you. There's nothing else to say. No other sermon. My ministry's finished to you. That's what happened here to Saul leadership. It had everything, power, influence, dynamic ability, but it didn't have God. I do not want to be that type of leadership. You see, Saul grieved over leadership. And we as a church here, as a Samuel church, we grieve over leadership in the body of Christ. That's the first thing, a new focus. God stopped Samuel in his tracks saying, stop mourning. It's time for you to do something. You need to change your focus. Stop grieving over the condition of leadership in the church. You know what? You need a change of focus. God is going to raise up new leaders. God is going to choose them anoint them, prepare them, use them. And you need to make sure your eyes are on that. Forget about Saul leadership. We're going to have a new kind of leadership and it's going to be found in David. The second thing, a new task, not just a new focus for Samuel, but a new task. What does he actually say to him? He says, get up, fill thine horn with oil and go. He gives them a new task. The Lord speaking to Samuel. He's in his 80s. He's only got several years of, min- of life left and a ministry left. But right at the end of his life, right at the end, you know, it's a terrible thing if a man retires. 
He's got no purpose. He's got no focus. I'll never retire. Either you'll bury me or I don't know what you'll do with me. But I assure you, this preacher will never, I'll, I'll be a constant thorn in your flesh. I want to tell you until the day I die. You, 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 some of these days, maybe a day will come. You'll have to carry me in on a seat and carry me out on a seat again. I don't know. But I want to tell you, there was a new task for this old prophet. He'd seen the Eli's house rise and fall. He'd seen the house of Saul rise and fall. He could have said there's no hope for leadership, but he didn't say that. God comes to him, this old timer, this man of God, this man with the history. And he says, I have a new task for you. There is a cure for the curse of bad leadership. I want you to go. Fill your horn again with oil. I, I want you to prepare. I want you to do something. You know what? If you listen to God, we've got a great task in this hour. You'll say apostasy has swept the church. Jesus is coming. Revival is over. It's Laodicea. I don't believe that. You know what? Your eyes are on Saul ministry. You are mourning. You're saying it's all over and I'm just sitting here to the rapture. You know what? You're not hearing from God. Because God says in this very hour, stop mourning over the apostasy. It is time for one last task before we get out of here. You know what, Samuel? You're going to have to help a young leadership that are going to be used one last time by the hand of God. Not just activity. I'm not saying just go do something. God spoke to Samuel and says, go, I will send thee. Are we in a place to hear from God? Are we as a church, do we know the mind of God, the will of God for this hour, the plan of God? Have you already signed off and said, well, I'm just sitting here to get out of here. Man, you might as well go now. If you think it's all over and your job's finished and Lord, just take me home now. I lost my wife. The first thing I wanted to do, I prayed over this year, Lord, take me home. At times I walked that house alone discouraged. I wouldn't like you to see me at those times. I said, Lord, let me die. Let me go home. I prayed that more than once. But you know what? My heart is overcome with a burden to be here. I'm here in the will of God. I've got a task to do. I, I might have lost so much, but I'm here in the will of God. There is a task. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm going to stand here and stay here until the Lord calls me home. You know what? The Lord says to Samuel, I will send thee. Wait for the guidance of God. Look for the will of God. People wonder, maybe a, the past year, why did you start preaching five weeks after your wife died? What, do you want me to sit down and give up? Do you want me to stay at home? How do you think I'm going to fight through this? You know what five weeks Brother Soap brought? The word of God here. I'm sitting at home. I'm just waiting and the word of God starts coming. What do you think I'm going to do? Sit on that? Say, I'm too discouraged. Lord, you can't get me to preach. I'm here in the will of God. How do you think I'm going to get through this? How do you think we're going to survive the decimation of Saul leadership? Go do something. You know, if all you look at is the apostasy, the compromise, the Saul's, that's all you look at, you're going to be buried in a grave very soon. You better have a new focus and a new task. You know what your task is? You, you believers that have walked with the Lord for a time, your new task is to see a new generation 
raised up. You better impart something to those that are being newly born again and saved by the Lord's grace. Do you remember Elijah at the, the very end of his last of his last journey, the Lord comes to him and says, one last task, you're going to go and anoint Elisha. Before you get out of here, Elijah, there is a man plowing a field. He's not a preacher, not a prophet. He's a plowman. And I want you to go and throw your mantle over him, representing the anointing of God. Elijah, you cannot go until you touch that next generation. What about Peter when he failed the Lord and he went back to his fishing nets and when it's all over, you know the bad thing about a Peter, if he goes on the high street, everyone follows him. You know what the Bible says? He went back to his nets. He was called to be an apostle, a preacher, but he got away from the Lord and he went back to his nets and it, it, all of them followed him and said, we go a fishing. That's the problem with a Peter. He influences everybody, good and bad. But you know what the Lord spoke to Peter? There he is sitting back at his fishing nets, back to his old career, discouraged. I failed the Lord. He's given up. Stop fighting. What's the point? Look at me. I denied Jesus three times. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Remember that? And then he says, when you repent, when you're converted again, which means to repent, to turn, to get back on course, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You know what he said? There's a task. Get up. What's holding you back here this morning? It's time to go feed the lambs. Go feed the sheep. Go anoint a new generation. Or what about Paul as he's sitting in a prison cell? All of Asia has left me. They've forsaken me. They've turned their backs on me. The Christians, the young preachers I train, they've left me. What are you going to do, Paul? He writes to Timothy one last letter. He says, Timothy, I taught you, I gave you an example. You teach others who are going to teach others. You know what he's saying? I know my crown. I can almost see it. Here it comes. I can see it. But you know what? It's a new task. Everyone who walks with God will finish their course with a new task from God. I'm not going to finish by saying, I'm retired. I'm out of this. I'll sit at the back of the church. You're backslidden. You're, you're, you're in a, a place of no focus. You know what? You need a new task. Those that finish their course well will go into their last day saying, I'm going to do the will of God. Margaret's just turned 70 today, I believe. And, and I, I tell you, Margaret, why shouldn't the will of God come? Why shouldn't there be a divine plan and purpose right now? Don't you give up, Margaret. I tell you, you've got something to pour into some young lady in this church saved a year. You've got testimonies, experiences. You've seen things they haven't seen. It's time. You've got to convey something to someone else. You've got something to give. Don't you give up. Don't you die until you fulfill that. Number three a new preparation, a new focus, a new task, a new preparation. What does it say in verse 1? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Fill thine horn with oil, a new preparation. You know what? That horn was empty. You know old Samuel, he never thought he'd have to anoint another king. The horn of oil is empty. It's sitting there on the shelf. God speaks to him and says, a new focus, a new task, a new preparation. See that empty horn? 
you didn't think that you'd use it again. You didn't think that I'd call you to do this. You may not have realized you were going to see a new king anointed of God and that you would be used to bring forth that king. You know what the Lord says? Go fill that horn with oil. Make sure it's oil. Not Pepsi Cola, not Fanta, not anything else. Make sure it's the oil. You know, in the church of our generation, you've got to say that because the confusion, the stupidity, the lack of wisdom, go fill thine horn. This is a command from God. See that horn? You need to fill it with new oil, fresh oil, vibrant oil. You need to take it because it's a new preparation. Samuel, get ready. You are going to be used in my hand to touch a young generation, young leaders. I believe we as a church, why shouldn't we touch a new generation of leaders? The older ones don't want the word of God. They want entertainment, flashing lights in the church. They tolerate sin amongst people. They have broken down the whole thing. Why shouldn't we touch a new generation of young preachers, young prophets, of men of God that are going to walk with God? You see, it's time for us to fill our horn. If you don't believe new leaders are going to rise, you'll never get prepared. You know what? I'm getting prepared. I'm getting ready. In case you didn't realize, I'm excited, saints of God. I've got a vision. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I'm searching. I'm looking. I'm making ready. You know why? I know God is raising up new lives, lives who have never seen the light of day as yet. God's got his hand upon them. He's dealing with them. They are nobodies. They're on hillsides. Not even their own family recognizes them. Not even their own brothers count them as anything. Those who know them them personally can't see the hand of God. But Samuel says, I know God's will is in this. You know what? He's being led by God. I want to be led of God by, uh, uh, during this time. He says, for I have provided me a king among his sons. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to go to Jesse, the father, because among his sons, there is a son. He's going to be the next king. And you know what? He's going to have the heart of God the mind of God. He's not going to be like Saul. And you know what, Samuel? Your influence is vital. You're going to be my delivery boy to deliver the call of God, the anointing of God, the message of God, the plan of God, the encouragement of God, the wisdom of God. Number four, a new hindrance, a new focus, a new task, a new preparation, but a new hindrance. You'll never get God leading you challenging you, showing you something without facing a new, worse hindrance than you've ever been aware of before. Let God begin to speak to you about obeying him, following him, doing his will. I promise the devil's going to rear up in front of you and say, but look at this, look at this, look at this. Dark shadows are going to rise. You're going to see mountains, giants, or a King Saul who wants to kill you. Listen to what it says here in verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? He's not talking to people. He's talking to God. He's in prayer. There's no sin in him talking like this. How can I go? He's not being disobedient. He's not disobeying. He's wrestling with God. And you know what? All of this shows the humanity of Samuel. He's going, how can I go? If I go, King Saul will kill me. 
You never said that before. You know, all through this year, these years, you rebuked King Saul. You preached to King Saul. You dealt with King Saul's personal sin. You even told him God rejected you. But now God's calling you to a new task, to raise up a new leader, a new king, to go anoint. And now because the task is so great, so dynamic, so amazing, you know what you're thinking? This is too much. Even saying to Saul, God has rejected you, is easier than this. This is the hardest task yet, to actually sidestep Saul and to go and anoint another young leadership. You know, he knew Saul. He knew Saul had become a, a, a vile creature, a murder driven by dark spirits, filled with jealousy, anger, bitterness, suspicion. That's the sort of leadership Saul was. And Samuel understood that. See, there's a new obstacle, a new hindrance to the will of God. What's hindering you this morning? Is God speaking to you about something and all the thoughts come up? Your wife tells you, you can't do that because of this. Others are telling you, you can't do that. Others are saying, be very careful now. You might say something wrong. You might say something right as well. Maybe you'll get right into the will of God. And so with this new hindrance, he begins to wrestle out with God himself. He is in prayer. And you know what the Lord says unto him? Go to Jesse, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. You know what? You've got to take a step before God shows you all the plan. You sit there and say, once he shows me everything, once he opens all the doors, then I'll do it. You know, I've seen people say, oh, I feel God's called me to ministry, but until he opens all the doors, I'm not going to leave my job or step out or begin to serve him. I can't, so I'll just sit here, wait until he's got all the money in place, open all the doors, provided everything, and I've got a hundred pastors want me to come preach. Then I'll step out in faith. You know what? You'll still be sitting here at 60, 70, 80, 100. I, I promise you. I've seen people say, oh, God's called me to something. You don't believe anything. You don't take any risks. You don't serve him. You don't believe him. You want everything to be prepared. You know what God said to Samuel? Go. I'm not telling you everything now. Oh, you might get more nervous if I tell you everything about what I want you to do. I just want you to go to Bethlehem to find Jesse's house, to knock on the door. And when you get there, then I'll begin to tell you other things. You see, some of us don't get told anymore because we haven't done anything with what God said before. The Word of God says, don't stay in a relationship with someone who isn't walking with God. We don't break that off. We want to hold on to the world. I think it was Naomi's testimony. Remember her testimony in England? She was there in a house with her boyfriend, living with him, everything settled. And there she is trying to live for the Lord, but trying to live in the world, like the world. You know what? She was living as a sinner, but she said she went to a big campaign. I wouldn't even mention the preacher. And he done an altar call and says, I'm born again. You're living like a sinner. You're living in the world. Don't tell me you said a sinner's prayer. Has your life changed? Have you come out? There she is living with him. Nothing ever happened. You stay in that house. God's not going to provide a nice boyfriend. God isn't going to open up anything for you. You're going to have to turn your back on all of that and say, 
I may stay single the rest of my days. Nothing may happen, but I'm going to serve God. I love God. I'm going to walk with God. Maybe no one will ever come. And you might need to stand there for five years. You know, that's always the test. But it's right in that place God comes and reveals everything else. He begins to open it up. I will show thee what thou shalt do. You know, when he was coming, he got scared and said, well, he'll kill me. No, bring a heifer with you, a sacrifice. And you know what? Then you can go up. You see what the answer is? Sacrifice, blood, sacrifice. When he's coming, when they saw him coming, the elders of Bethlehem said, "Uh uh-oh, Samuel's coming. Oh, he's a nice guy, isn't he? No, they're scared. I'm telling you, here comes Samuel. He's either coming to curse someone or to bless someone. That man of God isn't coming here to sit and have a far side talk over a coffee. That man of God, the only reason he had come here is in the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. See, when we make the church so user-friendly, we want the preacher to be the chum, always joking, always holding your hand, always casually talking, that we've lost men of God who preach the word of God, who walk in holiness. We've destroyed leadership, you know. And so here's when Samuel comes to Bethlehem. They're all nervous. It says they trembled. They trembled. He's a godly man, a good man, a nice man, a kind man. But they're trembling. You know, when he came, they said, are you coming peaceably? He says, yeah, peaceably. I've got a sacrifice. And they're relaxed. They're relaxed. See, that sacrifice settles everybody's heart. The sacrifice of what Jesus done on the cross when he died. Do you realize it's the answer to all of your problems in this room? You may say, preacher, you don't understand me. You don't know what I'm going through. I've got an answer this morning. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Are are you trembling today? Are you in fear? Are you worried about Saul killing you? Are you there discouraged? Are you there going, what, what, what's the preacher going to say? I'm, I'm scared of the preacher even finding me this morning. I'm scared of this message dealing with something in my heart. We'll go to the sacrifice. Can I tell you, I might preach straight. I might be very somber at the right times. But I tell you, it's all about the sacrifice. I'm calling you to a sacrifice. And you know what? That's why there's peace this morning. That's why there's peace. Number five, a new anointing. A new anointing. What do he say? Fill thine horn with oil. For I have provided me a king amongst his sons. I come peaceably. And it says in verse 6, And it came to pass when they were come. Sorry, it says before that, um, that he called for Jesse's sons to come. He says, I come to do sacrifice sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And he said, there's a king amongst your children. I know there's one here. He says to Jesse, bring your sons. I want to see your sons. Bring them out. And so it says, first of all, in verse 16, The first son comes out, the oldest son. And Samuel looked upon Eliab and he said, notice what he's doing. He's looking with the eye. He's never met him before, knows nothing about his character. But he looks on him with his eye. 
What's he doing? Going to raise up a new leadership, a new anointing. Who am I going to put the anointing on? Who am I going to lay my hands on? Man, look at Eliab. He's the oldest of Jesse's house. Look at him. What does he say? Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely this is the one. Look how smart. Look at him outwardly. I am impressed. He looks like a man of God. He looks like a king. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. See, dealing with a new leadership that's going to rise in the church, if we use our eye gate, our minds, if we logically say, I think you could do this in the church, and I think you could be doing this, and do you know what? You're pretty gifted that way. I think you should be doing this. You're on dangerous ground. I never do that. It's not my choice to make. You know, in everything this, this church, my thing is, what is the will of God? Where is the guidance of God? We want people set in everything in this church. It's not mine to give away. It's not mine. It's not mine to decide. I cannot do that. You know what? I can only deal with you outwardly. I could think you're a king and you're a rogue, a demon. You, you could look at some handsome boy and say, what an angel. You get inside the marriage, he's a demon. It's happened time after time after time, these sorts of things. When you operate by the eye, you're in serious trouble. You know this one, the Lord says, look not upon his appearance. Samuel said, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. That means he was tall because I have refused him. Here's a man, a possible leader in the body of Christ. And Samuel, a prophet in his 80s, a man of God looks on him and says, surely this is God's anointed. This is a young man God's going to use. God whispers in his ear and says, I've refused him. Can you imagine if Samuel had laid hands on him and anointed his head then? That's what's happening all across the church of our day. Can you imagine if God hadn't whispered in his ear and said, I've refused him. Here's Samuel. He looks and he says, this is an anointed man of God. God speaks to him and says, I've refused him. I've rejected him. Do you see how you can have a church functioning according to the carnal mind? People in positions, making decisions, choosing, deciding, organizing. It's a disaster. Do you know how much this preacher trembles over the word of God? Do you know how scared he comes to this pulpit in? You know, it was one of the old Puritans. He said, you ought to go into the pulpit trembling. Where do we find that in the church again? We fight young men fighting to get in pulpits. Ministry, I want to do that. I want to do that. Really? I would say 99% of the time that if you're eager to do that, to get into ministry, you're not called to it. Almost everyone chosen, ordained of God is trying to get out of it trying to talk their way out of it and telling God, not me. I get very worried when I see people who don't even understand the call of God. They want ministry. They're fighting for it. They're manipulating. You better run for your life. It is an utter disaster for man. Looketh on the outward appearance, even Samuel. But the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. What does the Lord say? 
neither has the Lord chosen this. And all seven pass, seven sons pass before the prophet. You know what the Lord says? None of them. I haven't chosen these seven. You know, many people in the church go, ah, number seven. Okay, it wasn't the first son. It wasn't Abinadab. It wasn't Shammah. Of course, number one, number two. Seven is the secret number of God. Seven is the number of perfection. It has to be the seventh son. You would have got to the end of the line and went, ha, huh, well, there is no other sons. Let's anoint him. There is nothing else. We've got to number seven. Let's just fit into scripture. Seven is the number of God. Well, we'll just anoint number seven. We've got to put someone in position. It happens all across the church. I can't emphasize that enough. You know what he said? God has rejected seven as well. He says, come on, guys. Do you have any other sons? Oh, one. He's the youngest. Do you see how his father didn't even call him? His father didn't even provide him as an option. Are you the sort of person where those around you are family, bypass you, they don't even see you? You're discarded, unnoticed. You think that you're the least. All the other seven are called to see Samuel. Where are you? You're left out. You mind the sheep. We can have everyone else in. You've got to stay there, mind and sheep that don't belong to you, far out. You know what Samuel says? I'm not going anywhere. We're not going to sit down until he comes. See, when David came walking, the young shepherd boy probably had a little lamb under his arm, no doubt, one that had broken its leg or was hurting. What does the Lord say? As soon as he saw him, the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is the one. Saints, it's very important to hear God. It's very important to be led by the Spirit of God. You, I don't care how mature you are, how much you know, how much you walk in holiness. If you're not led of the Spirit of God, you could make such mistakes that damage the body of Christ through your natural thinking. Well, I think this, and he looks good, and this should work. We get led by the Spirit of God. This is him, arise and anoint him. You know what he done? He took the horn of oil that he had prepared and he poured it on his head. Poured it out, the anointing of oil. Let me finish here. Sixth and lastly, a new era of deliverance. A new era of deliverance. There were a lot of long, silent years after this. Samuel now has anointed David secretly. He'll have two other anointings. In a few years' time, a lot of years' time, he's going to be anointed over Judah. Several years' time, Samuel will be in his grave. Samuel doesn't see it. Samuel's involved with the secret, hidden anointing of this little boy. Nobody else can see anything in him. Nobody's sending him out, sharing his CD with all of his songs from the sheepfold. No one is doing that. He is writing songs. Songs are coming out of his heart. Who's listening to them? The sheep on the hillside. Not you bunch. No one in Israel's listening to the song. Not even his father wants to hear him. His brothers definitely don't want to hear his songs. And yet he's writing these songs. One day, they're not only going to be sung across the whole nation. They're going to be sung across the whole world. Psalm 23. There's not a better known psalm or song. And it's word, 
right across our world in Psalm 23. But you know what? Nobody wants to hear from the shepherd boy at this particular point. Long silent years. Samuel anoints him secretly. Later Judah will. Later all of Israel, all the tribes will one day recognize him and anoint him. But that's about 15 years away. Samuel anoints him in hidden, in secret, when no one else can see the will of God for him. But then Samuel passes into a time of obscurity. He's rejected Saul. He won't go and speak to Saul anymore. He's not prophesying to Saul. He won't go and see him. And from chapter 17 through until chapter 25, when Samuel dies, there's only one other time that David comes to see Samuel. And this is my last point. A new era of deliverance. Do you know a Samuel only needs to interact with the David a few times? A few times. Brother Clendenin, that great preacher who went out across this world, for six years I had one of his audio tapes. One. One sermon. Do you know how many people listen our messages online? That's what encouraged me. All it takes is one sermon to touch one heart. The right message at the right time to the right person. I had one audio cassette of that old preacher. I thought he was dead and gone, buried. Finally found him and for eight years I worked with him. Do you know the old audio cassette I had? It was called the prodigal church. For six years I almost wore it out. Eventually got to his preacher's convention in Texas. I walked in, didn't know him. He didn't know me. There's a thousand preachers there. I sit down. He stands up. And on that first night, a Tuesday night in 2001, and he stands up on the very first night, he says, God has spoken to me and told me to preach a message I haven't preached for many years. It's called the prodigal church. The only audio I had. I come all the way from Ireland. And there I'm sitting going, I know this is God. And the man of God stands and it's like he only preached to me. It was the word of God. He preached in the prodigal church. I worked closely with him for the next eight years. Never once did he preach that message again that I know of. I never heard, heard him preach many other messages time after time, but never preached that message again. What you have is in chapter 19, one last time, David comes to Samuel, and it's in a very dark hour. Listen to what it says in chapter 19, 18. So David fled. Do you know where David had just been? In the palace, playing the harp for Saul. This is a man who's got the anointing of God. Strange stories in the body of Christ, you know. He's in the house of Saul. So when demons, evil demons, wicked spirits from the Lord come to Saul and he's tormented, he calls on young David, get your harp out and start playing. Remember what happened after he was anointed of God? He went out and slew Goliath. How did he do that? It was the anointing. How does a 17-year-old shepherd boy go and kill Goliath and defeat the Philistines? One man, one boy. He won't even wear Saul's armor. You know, half the problem today's church, everyone's trying to wear Saul's armor. 
an unanointed compromise ministry and we're letting them teach us and say, this is how you do ministry. This is how you worship. This is how you function as a church. Why would you listen to them? God has departed from them. You know what David done was take a slingshot and run out and he says, the same God that delivered the bear into my hands and the lion into my hands will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine. But you know what? Now Saul has turned against him. Jealousy, anger, throwing spears. And David has to run for his life. It says in verse 18, and it says five times in this chapter, he escapes or he runs for his life. That's what marks this chapter. David is running. He doesn't understand. What am I doing? Why is King Saul, the anointed of God, trying to kill me? My heart's pure. I can't even function in today's church. They, they, they're destroying me. So he has to run for his life. So David fled and escaped. Where did he go? Hasn't seen him for a long time. Two, three, four years. And he came to Samuel, to Ramah, and said to him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. Do you know where you go in the day of trouble? To a friend. Young David, this victorious young anointed leader, where are you going to go? When the leadership of today turns against you and misunderstands the anointing on you, where are you going to go? I'll find Samuel. They only had one friend. You know, I always used to say to Candace years ago, I said, you're the only friend I have in this entire world. You're definitely the only person who understands me in the entire world. And then friends got more and said, you can't say that anymore. I'd say, okay, now you're not my only friend in the world. You're my best friend in the world. So I had to reword that. I'm going to tell you, David did have a few friends. Jonathan was his friend. But there's no friend like a man of God who prays who preaches, who prophesies from God. He's there at the key times in your life to be anointed, to hear the word of God, to touch your life. He's not there to be a friend, a casual acquaintance sitting with you every day. He's there to minister God to you. And you know where you go in that hour of darkness when you're confused and hurting and fear for your life? Run to a Samuel. Find a man of God. You know those Christians in the church, when you want a fun night, you go look for them. I never got invited to birthday parties or barbecues. I'd be there going, why, why did they not invite me there? You know why? Because they want to tone everything down. Carnal, hilarity, all of the rest. Malcolmson doesn't fit. You know why? And I, I, can, I can joke, you know. I, I can be good humor. Very easy for me. All of us are tempted to be something we're not or ought not to be. But I tell you, I want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and burden over the condition of the church. You won't be with me long until I'm talking about the burden for the church. This is a new era of deliverance. You know, young David, from here on in, you're going to go through years of running from your life, cave to cave, cave to cave. You're going to be hunted by thousands of King Saul's soldiers. The anointed of God, the leadership of the nation. But you're going to have to walk through this. This is the beginning. Samuel was there at the right time. And as he was there encouraging young David, strengthening him, putting steel within his heart, 
telling him the right thing at a dark hour. You know what happened? Here comes King Saul's men. Saul sent them, go get Samuel and David and bring them to me. I want them dead. As the soldiers came and they approached, you know what happened? Spirit of God came on them and they got caught up in this as well. Praise God. I, I hope if we ever get an enemy come to our midst, I hope in the midst of the gathering, they'll get caught up and forget to kill us or something. They'll come here with a spear and they'll start praising the Lord and worshiping and go, now why, why did I walk into the church? If some Muslim came to blow us up, I hope he, he, us unsuspecting would begin to testify and share things. You begin to tremble and go, what sort of people are these? I'm sent to kill them. What are they talking about? Saints, when you walk with God under the anointing of God, you're safe from all harm. The devil cannot touch you. Saul sent a second group, then a third group. The Spirit of God kept coming on them. Saul can't even get his men together. So he comes finally himself and he says, where are they? I'm going to bring them. And as he approached them, the Spirit of the Lord fell on them. And he began to prophesy. And it says he fell down and he prophesied all day and all through the night. That's a good time for Samuel and David to make their escape. But do you know what's so sad? He fell down naked. Remember when Samuel first anointed him? Samuel says, when you leave me, the Spirit of the Lord's going to come on you and you'll prophesy with the prophets. And he did. That's where he started his ministry. Now, right at the end of his ministry, the Spirit of God comes on him and he falls down and he prophesies naked, in disorder. It's a terrible disorder. Samuel's in order. David's in order. Saul leadership's in utter confusion. They're prophesying and they're rolling about on the floor naked. And you know what? The leadership of this day is going to end in utter disgrace. I don't care how much power they have, how many soldiers in their meetings. I don't care about their palaces their ministries or anything else. You know what? If I'm a young David being prepared, if I can just be in some little spot, a Naboth, if I can be in a little study house somewhere in Ramah with an old man of God, Samuel, who knows the heart of God. See, these two men, the old prophet Samuel and young shepherd David, both have the heart of God. And God is just about to raise up a new leadership in the nation who are going to care for God's people with brokenness, laying down their lives, ministering to them, revealing the very heart and desire of God. Saints of God, this church is put here by the hand of God to be a Samuel. And I believe right now, God has us here. He has in the past. He is presently and he will in the future. There's going to be a few important interactions with a young David who's going to play a colossal place in leadership in the body of Christ. Our place is just to walk with God. And we're like everyone else. We could look on someone and say, surely this is God's anointed. Oh, no. Oh, no. But if we're sensitive, we'll hear the Lord saying, this is him. Rise up. Anoint him. Nobody else is looking in his direction. They won't for a few years. But I want you to anoint him, prepare him, encourage him, because he's going to serve the body of Christ in a very influential way. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We bless you. We praise you right now as a church. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray for these young Davids, a new leadership to be raised up, 
in the body of Christ. Father, we pray for your grace, your guidance. Don't let us be moved by our eyes or our ears, by our own natural thinking, Lord God. We ask of you that you place us as a church, that you give us a message for these young David leaders. Father, I'm asking of you that even through the internet, even through, Lord God, all these means of YouTube, that you're going to reach, oh God, leaders, Lord God, hidden from the hand of man, that haven't been trained in the school of Saul, nor God, they're out on the hillsides with the sheep. They're playing their harp. Lord God, they're worshiping you and ministering unto you. They carry the heart of God. Lord God, yet nobody sees them. But oh God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that you'd help us and allow us as a church to play our part right now in this hour and generation that you would use us at the right time, not to be moved by our eyes or our ears, but oh God, to hear the word of God to say, arise, anoint him with the, with, the, with the oil of anointing, for I have prepared and found myself a king, a preacher, a leader, a pastor. Lord God, we do love you and just commit all these things into your hands. We're servants of the Most High God, and we follow you, we serve you, we listen to you, and we obey you in Jesus' mighty name.